Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. For message notes and links to big things going on at Hope, check out the notes section below. When you're done listening to this episode, take a minute to follow us here, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content, additional resources, and more. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. Well, happy Mother's Day weekend to everyone. Yeah. You know, I did everything I could do to think of a way to tie together the title of our current series, Why Am I Running?, into Mother's Day. And uh, all I kept thinking about was the times that I was running for my life from my mom while she was chasing me with a belt. And uh, I thought, well, that's probably not a good way to kick off a sermon on Mother's Day, so we'll drop that one. Uh, No, I do assure you the times that that did happen, because it did. Uh, I deserved it, and I'm a better man because of it. So uh, cheers to mom. I've got a picture of my mom here, actually, for you guys to take a look at. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Look at that. She... uh, She's incredible. She has been through a lot, and she is probably one of the strongest humans, without a doubt, that I've ever met in my life. Love her dearly. Um, So moms, to all of you out there, you know, we say as a church that we want to build families that thrive, and I'm certain that it is next to impossible to build a family that thrives without a mom that is thriving. And so thank you for what you do for your families. Thank you for what you do for this church. Okay, happy Mother's Day. We love you all. Uh, We are going to wrap up this series this week, okay? I'm thankful to get some time with you, and uh, we got a lot to cover, and so we're going to jump right in. We're wrapping up this series that we are calling Why Am I Running? And so I'm tasked with wrapping up this series and tasked specifically with taking a look at why am I running from the church? And you got to admit, like that's a little bit of an odd topic to talk to or to talk about to the church, right? Like you're here. And so I feel like I should tell you, like if you're running from the church, you're doing it wrong. Um, Or maybe you're not running fast enough because somehow we've caught up to you. Like we're in the same space. Something's not working. But, you know, you you do need to recognize, and I'm sure most of you do, that right now the, the culture around us is not overtly positive towards the church. And... I've spent some time thinking through the last couple of weeks, like, why do people run from the church? But what I realize is that while we don't necessarily run from the church, it's also possible that we can still easily miss the perspective or the point of what the church is actually supposed to be. And that can actually be just as bad. And so I want to share just kind of a few things that I've stumbled across this week, a few reasons why people run from the church. One, uh, people run from the church because the church doesn't always do the best job of pointing to the person and to the God of Jesus. I mean, we just don't. I mean, most people don't have an issue with Jesus, right? I mean, he's like this perfect balance of truth and of grace. And sometimes the church doesn't get both of those right. Maybe they lift up truth really well, but don't do the grace thing well, or some lift up the grace thing really high, but miss the truth. And that's critically important as well. Jesus was like this perfect balance of being able to preach the truth, but also live it out. And if we're honest, we've all seen church leaders that have kind of missed the mark or done some boneheaded things that left some harm uh, in, in, in their wake and left some people hurt. Church hurt is a real thing. I, I can tell you I've experienced that firsthand. My, um, my stepmom, when I was younger, ended up having an affair with the pastor of the church where I was a part of. Like, I get it. Like, I've, I've experienced this in different ways throughout my life. It's a real thing. Another reason why people run from the church 
is because we live in this culture, right, in Western individualized America that says you can do anything you want to do, you can be anything you want to be. And I'm not talking about like business, right? Like go and start a business and work hard and in sports you can do whatever you want to do. I mean, unless you're five foot one, try as hard as you want, you're probably not going to be able to dunk. I mean, there's limitations. But our culture tells us like you are the bearer of your own truth. And the church should stand in direct opposition to that. And if you're a part of a church and if you're listening online and you're a part of a church that does it, like I want to be very clear. If you're asking, are you saying that sometimes that there's things that the media is going to say or the politicians are going to say that the church should stand in opposition to? And I'm telling you, absolutely yes. And if it's not, something's probably wrong. And so the church kind of divides sometimes and so people run from the church. Um, sometimes people don't run from the church as much as they just kind of drift away. And maybe it's due to busyness. You know, we've all got these balls in the air that we're just kind of juggling regularly. And so I know there's some, there's some students in here. So we got our schoolwork. we got our social life. Some of us have jobs. Some of us have kids. And then our kids' social life. And then our kids' sports. And then our kids' jobs. So we're just juggling and juggling. And then the church is just one of those balls that at some point you can only keep so many in the air. And so we drop something. And I would argue that, like, a better way to look at that is, like, our relationship with Jesus is, like, the center Right? And then the, its gravitational pull pulls everything else in. But sometimes we miss that. But sometimes we miss out on the church because we just don't fully understand what it is. And so it's important to spend some time talking through that. But what my guess is every single one of us can like find ourselves in one of those places, regardless of where you are. But what I realized this week as I was thinking through this is I, I don't have time to preach to every one of those. I just don't. And so what I did, and, and you're probably going to think, I hope you do that regularly. And I do. But I spent some time in prayer. I spent more time in prayer over this message than any sermon that I've ever given in my entire life. And the reason why is because when you start thinking about the church and you know what I know and what you may know is that Jesus actually died and rose from the grave to set the church in motion. And so like it's a humbling thought to say that you're going to be on the hook for communicating to the church about what the church is supposed to be. And so I spent time praying, and this was my prayer, that Jesus, you died and you rose from the grave to set the church in motion. If I'm going to get 25, 30 minutes to talk to your people about the church, what is it that you want me to talk to your people about? And I believe through that prayer and through spending time in Scripture, where, I, where we landed was, God, I believe Jesus wants me to paint a picture of the church, of who the church is supposed to be and what the church is supposed to do, and then we're going to have to make a decision together, are we going to run towards that or are we going to run away from it? But it's a conscious decision that we've got to make. And I think this is so incredibly important because I'm convinced that for the world to be everything that God dreams the world to be, we need to be a church that people not only run to, but watch this, we need to be a family that actually runs to the world. We've got to pay attention to that. And so I'm, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to tell you right out of the gate. All right, I'm just going to start with this is what the church is. All right, and so we're going to start with a statement. We're going to repeat it together. Then we're going to open God's word. We're going to take a look at how God's word points to that. And then we're going to make a decision together. Like, are we going to be that church? And so here's the statement. The church is this. The church is the imperfect family of God on the purpose-filled mission of God. And so I want all of us across all of our campuses, we're going to say this together. All right, so do this with me. The church family of God on the purpose-filled mission of God. We're going to do it one more time. The church is the imperfect family of God 
on the purpose-filled mission of God. See, if you say it three times, you'll get it right every time unless you're me. And then you mess it up on the last word. Look, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at three verses. Chapter 23, 24, and 25. So I want you to turn there. Uh, If you don't know, Hebrews is a letter that was written to the first century Christians in Jerusalem. Uh, There are two primary themes, uh, the letter to the Hebrews. One was the supremacy of Christ. All right, this is who Jesus is. This is what he did. This is what's possible through his work. And the second theme is perseverance through or perseverance with Jesus through whatever trials that you might face. And so I think we're going to find some ways to apply it to what we're experiencing in life right now. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to what? To acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Verse 23, he starts out right out of the gate by saying, let us. And so I want you to see right away, this is not a letter to an individual, okay? The church has never been about me. The church is about we. It's a group thing. And I know some people have said, and I've heard, and I know some of them say, look, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian, but I don't really do that church thing. And uh, I want you to know that, like, for the New Testament Christian, like, they wouldn't have had a paradigm for what that means. They just wouldn't. And much more important, like, for Jesus, for, for the Son of God that came to earth, that died for your sins and for my sins, and then went in the grave and rose, overcoming sin and death, that was not just for you to have a, a personal relationship uh, with God through what he did, but also to be saved into the family of God. Like, God's story, if you read this cover to cover, it's always been about a people, cover to cover, God's people. Uh, in the New Testament, the two primary metaphors for the church are family and body. Romans 8.16, it says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. You know, I'll reference this a couple times uh, throughout this message, but two weeks ago, Aaron Nelson talked about um, what Jesus did when he went on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And then last week, Dwayne talked about how if we put our faith in that, we can have this restored relationship with God. The moment that happens, God's spirit comes in and joins with our spirit. And it says that we become God's children. We're all brothers and sisters. So we're family. Like there is no me, there's we. And when you're family, like the rules change a little bit. So what are some things that families do? Real question, like we're really talking to each other. They spend time together. Okay, what else? What else do families do? They argue. Okay, thank you for saying the thing that could. I mean, that's, that's risky, but we're going to keep it on the docket. What else? They love one another. All right, that's perfect. So let's just stop right there. So even when we argue while we're spending time together, do we still love one another? Yes. Uh, we do. Like, that's, there's no, like, okay, game's over because we argued or because we disagreed. Like, we're still family. We spend time together. My wife, who I love dearly, and she loves me dearly, and she has the ability to love me better than anybody else on the planet. But she also, she doesn't ever do this. She's in the room. But she also has the ability to hurt me worse than anyone else in the world. Well, what happens if my wife said something that hurt me, but then you showed up at my house to hurt my wife? You and I still have a problem. Right? Like, because that's my wife. Like, we're family. Uh, it talks about the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 
uh, verses 15 and 16, it says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, which is the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and is growing and full of love. See, the, it's not just a bunch of individuals running around, but we're actually like a part of a body together. Like we're supposed to be together. We all have our own individual roles. I've got a picture here of something. Okay, what is that? It's a cow. Anything weird about that cow? No, it's just a cow, right? Nobody thinks anything's weird about the cow, right? Um, this... Anybody want to take a stab at what this is? Okay, this. Anybody? You know what that is? That's a cow tongue. Okay, so now things are weird, right? Why are things weird now? There was a cow tongue on the screen a minute ago. This is weird because we know that there's something wrong with dismembered body parts. Right? Like this thing should not be here right now. We'll just leave it up here. for You know what? We're not going to leave that there. Maybe somebody can come out here and take that off the stage. That'd be good. I was prepared. Thank you. Don Smith, everyone. Say Don, thank you so much. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, that, that illustration may or may not have been necessary, but you won't forget it. All right? You won't forget it. Yeah, so look, we're the body of Christ, man. We're in this together. So all that to say, let us, we are a family. I want you to remember that. Like, this is not a thing that we just show up to on the weekends occasionally. We're a family. So all that to say, he says, let us, the imperfect family of God, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. This hold tightly. This is the idea of like holding on tightly to something, grasping to it with dear life so it doesn't get away. All right. Um, we go to, uh, we have children, so we go to Emerald Point. Or I like to go to Emerald Point Water Park, and we have kids, so I bring the kids with me when we go to the water park. And uh, we've gone for years. Well, one year, ages ago, uh, we were there, and I was on the zip line. And in front of me was a mom with her probably five or six-year-old kid. And so she picks up her five or six-year-old kid and puts it on the zip line and says, hold on tightly, don't let go. And what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to go out on the zip line and you get halfway out and the lifeguard yells, drop, and you let go and you fall down in the water. So the mom says, don't let go, pushes the young man and he holds on. The lifeguard says, drop, 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 gets all the way to the end, hits the pulley that's supposed to stop him from going, legs fly forward, and he's still hanging on. The lifeguard says, young man, you need to fall in the water. He says, my mom told me not to let go. <laughs> like, that's what the author's saying here. He's saying, family, we need to hold tightly without wavering. Don't let go. To what? The hope that we affirm. What hope? The gospel. The good news. The hope that we have. And can we just, like, like pause for a minute and recognize, like, that there's something that our world needs right now? It's hope. Like right now, I need to know that in the midst of, and I've shared with you guys before, even recently, like I, I believe my stepdad was taken from this earth uh, before it was his time to go. I still wrestle with that today. Um, I'm going through some mental health stuff with my family right now, and it's not me. It's best I can tell. My counselor tells me it's not me, but we're wrestling with it. And, um, and I'm telling you, like it's so distracting 
Sometimes it's hard to like open my Bible and prepare a message to deliver for the church that God's called me to serve. Like it's real. I know I have, I have, there's pastors on staff that have family members that have young children that are like literally on a bed that they don't know if they're going to make it or not. We have family members on, on our church staff that are, that are battling cancer. Like we need hope. And I know every single one of us has a need for that hope. And a couple weeks ago, again, Aaron talked about um, our sin separates us from God. But Jesus went to a cross to pay the price for our sins. And if we put our faith in Jesus, we can have a restored relationship with God. But the gospel is even bigger than that. Like the gospel impacts all of us and our families and it gives us a hope. Like if you go all the way back to Genesis, like the very beginning, It says, God created this earth and he said it was good. And then he created man and woman and he said it was very good. So like, it's not like it's always been like this, like it was different. But then man made a decision that they knew better than God. Let's go figure, okay, turn on the news, still happening. And as a result, rebelled against God And sin entered the world, and the relationship between man and woman was instantly shattered. Between man and God was instantly shattered. And and the Bible tells us that a curse came on the world. And everything that we know is sin, is brokenness, is guilt, is shame, is condemnation. All the things that you just thought of a moment ago when I said we need hope, all those things became possible. And the rest of the Old Testament is God chasing after his people and his people going, turning back to God, but then turning away from God and turning back to God and turning away from God. And he sets up this sacrificial system that says for the forgiveness of sins, there has to be shedding of blood. And so that happens, sacrifice over and over and over and over again, but it never ends because man keeps rebelling. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and then he lives the life that we couldn't live and he pays the penalty that we deserve to pay. For us as a family so that we can have a restored relationship with God and he overcomes sin and death. And Dwayne talked about that last week. We put our faith in that. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible also tells us that Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he was on earth. But then he ascended to heaven. He sent down his Holy Spirit. And so now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible tells us that one day he's going to come back. And he's going to reestablish a new heaven and a new earth. And it says that every tear is going to be wiped away. And everything that we know about ourselves that's imperfect is going to be made perfect again. And everything that we know is brokenness is going to be put back together again. And the things I was talking to you before about the things that I'm wrestling with in my life and the mental health, like that family member's mental health will be restored again. And so they know when he says cling tightly, let us as a family, as an imperfect family, cling tightly to a hope. That's what he's talking about. He's saying cling tightly to this hope that we affirm. And then he goes on to say, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. I mean, it's like he knew that there was going to be a day that followers of Jesus were going to be in the midst of a world that life was going to be crazy and it was going to feel like you're in a washing machine and your kids were going to come home and say, guess what I learned in school today? And you're going to be, I can't believe they're learning this stuff. And you're going to see things on the news and you're going to go through things that are challenging for you in life. And it's like he says, listen, don't forget, cling tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm because God can be trusted. God can be trusted. We're an imperfect family of God made possible through the work of what Jesus did. That's why it's important for us to care about what he says about his church. He goes on. 
Verse 24, let us, so again, let us, a family, it's not a me thing, the church is a we thing, let us think of ways to motivate one another. Um, Think of ways, so he's saying, like, let us together be intentional about how we motivate one another. So don't leave it to chance. Don't just go on with life. Don't just go through life juggling the balls in the air, not paying attention. Go through life intentionally and motivate. The original language, the word, was actually a word that more closely resembles agitate. My 14-year-old daughter is here uh, tonight. I'll just let her be nervous for a second. She would tell you that her 12-year-old brother agitates her. All right. I don't know if it's always towards acts of love and good deeds, though. Uh, in fact, the other places in Scripture where this word's used, it's actually used in a negative connotation. But the idea is we've got to think about ways to make people around us uncomfortable, to encourage, to agitate, to motivate them towards acts of love and good deeds. Acts of love, what does that mean? It's easy in our world. We kind of throw the word around, right? Like, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. We throw it around. This acts of love, it had a different meaning to it. It would have pointed to an act of doing something, an act of love. They would have heard this and immediately thought of the act of love that Jesus did for them because he was just talking about the hope that we affirm and that God is faithful. So they would have heard the gospel when they heard this. So the act of love, it's like the love that I think it's John 15, 13. It says, the greater love has no one than this, the one who would lay down his life for his friends. So think of ways to remind each other and to live out the gospel for one another every day of our lives. Why? And this is where it's so important to make sure that, again, like in the Western world, we do so much to talk about Um, You can do what you want to do and you can be what you want to be and you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, which is true. But Jesus loves me and he died for me and Jesus loves you and he died for you. But you know what else he died for? Your neighbor, your coworker, your classmate, the person that you see on the news that you disagree with, the person that you might in your worst moment like make fun of. And so Jesus saved you and he saved me, but he didn't just save us to be saved. He saved us into a purpose-filled mission of God to be a part of the greatest rescue party that the world has ever known. And Dwayne talked last week about how we watch like Marvel movies because we all want to be a hero, and, but, but we can't be the hero because Jesus is the hero. But it's like the, the movie The Return of the King, I think, right? The king comes back and you know who the king is. And you know what movie I'm talking about and I'm probably saying it wrong, so it's okay. It doesn't matter. But then everybody gets to fight a big battle together. That's what we're doing. And the Bible says, though, it's not a battle against flesh and blood. But there are spiritual battles that are going on that we are called to step into. And so he's saying we need to think of ways to motivate one another towards acts of love and good deeds for the world around us. The Bible says that the world will see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. And so as a church, we've thought of some ways to motivate one another and to live out these acts of love uh, and good deeds. Uh, we have a ministry that we started a couple years ago that we call Fostering Hope. And it's because we stumbled. We, first of all, we said as a church, we know we must meet the needs of our community before they come to us. And so we did some research and we found out some things like there's over 400 children in Wake County foster care whose families can't take care of them and they're in the foster care system. But there's just over 100 of foster care families that have said, I'll take care of a child. You don't have to be great at math to realize that, like, those numbers don't work. 
And so we said as a church, we're going to step in. We believe that the Bible says true religion is to care for orphans and widows. So we're going to step in and we're going to fill the gap. And so we said every child deserves a family. And every family deserves a tribe or support circle to come alongside of them. And so we've done things like we're trying to encourage you all to consider being foster families. We're trying to agitate you towards doing that, right? But we know everybody can't do that. And so we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to work to create support circles that can come alongside a family. So if you would be willing to raise your hand and say, I'll be a foster care family, then you know that there's a group of 8, 10, 12 people that will come alongside immediately and help meet your financial needs and help you get the resources that you need and the clothes and the food. We saw a video recently of one of these support circles actually providing an engine for a car for a foster family. I mean, the church is stepping up and being the church. We've gone to Wake County and we've said, hey, how can we help? How can we support your social workers? Do you know that within the last week, week and a half, uh, Wake County Child Services has come to us and said, you guys are making such a huge impact. Would you be willing to be our advocates, to work alongside of us, to go to other churches and faith communities and teach them what it is that you do and how you do it? I mean, that's because we just said, look, Jesus died for us and he calls us into the world with this purpose-filled mission. So we're going to step in with acts of love and good deeds. Uh, let's talk about food insecurity. Right now, we know times are tough. Some people say it's a recession, it's not a recession. Times are tough. Here's how I know food is flying off our shelves faster than it ever has. We have a food distribution center at the Apex campus, and then we have a food pantry at the Raleigh campus where people can come through who are under-resourced uh, and they can pick up food when they need it. Okay, um, I want you to take a look at these pictures right now of our food distribution center. This is not good. Um, we dropped some stuff on social media right now. This is real, okay? We're a church of like 10,000 people. And, um, and we don't, you know, it's hard to get the word out. But this is what I want us to do. This is, I want you to be agitated towards acts of love and good deeds. I want you to get everybody who calls Hope Community Church home. I want you and your family to go to this website, gethope.net, local hope, this week. And I want you to go out shopping. Do it as a family. Be on mission together. If you're in college, do it with your dorm room. Do it with your suite mates. Do it with some folks in your classroom. Do a food drive. But go to the store, get these groceries, and take them back to the campus where, where, that you call home. If you live in Apex, take it to Apex. Raleigh, take it to Raleigh. If you, take it, if you go to the Garner campus, uh, you can take it to Little Details. There's a boutique shop there. Um, if you live in Fuquay, you're on your own, man. You're like in the wild, wild west out there. I, I don't know. Take it somewhere. Take it to one of the campuses during the week, or you can bring it on the weekend uh, if you maybe attend the Apex campus. But, man... We got to step up and we got to be the church. <clears throat> That's kind of like on a programmatic level. I want to speak really quickly just to a personal level. And I'm going to hit something and you're going to be like, wow, that was really fast. I know it's fast. It's not the most important part of the message. But I want to give you something tangible. Um, as a church, our mission is to love people where they are and then encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. All right, what it means to grow in your relationship with Jesus is to grow in this way. To live out a life with acts of love and good deeds. And so we have five things that we try to call people to regularly. I know we don't do a great job, but if you go to the Apex campus or the Raleigh campus, you'll see them plastered all over the walls. And so really quickly, we say that we should be doing things. We should live obediently by knowing Jesus, his word, and remaining in him. All right, we've got to open God's word and apply what it says to our lives. We should connect intentionally with others in community. Man, if you're, if you're a part of a church this size and you're not in a small group, you are not going to experience church in the life the way that Jesus intends we should serve selflessly. 
by using our gifts, talents, and resources for those in need. And just, you can shorten it. Serve selflessly others who are in need. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agitate this one just a little bit, okay? We talked about the things going on out in the community. If you're hearing me right now and you attend one of our physical campuses and you're not involved with serving on the weekends, I want to say this like, remember, we're a family. I want to say this like a loving big brother who's trying to like watch out for everybody else's back. Because there are people that give a ton of time for this church and we're a family in which we should all carry our own weight. And so I just want to challenge you, if this is your church, I want to agitate you. (laughs) Realize we have two services so you can attend one and you can serve one. And if you're at a campus right now and you've got a kid in Kid City, there's two things you need to know. One, there are people around your child right now that are loving them and encouraging them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. The second thing you need to know is they need your help. They want you to jump in. All right, we're a family on a purpose-filled mission of God. Let's jump in. Fourth, give generously back to the God who gave everything, everything that we have, including our ability to gain wealth, was given to us by God. And so we give generously back to God. And then we share willingly the hope that we have in Jesus. This is just a quick run through of some things. We'll do a series on that in the fall where we kind of break every single one of those down. But if we live a life centered around those five things, that's what it looks like to actually live a life with acts of love and good deeds. All right? That's what it means to be the church. Now, I want to recognize it's possible that you can do all of those things and not come together at a large gathering like we do in our physical campuses. But I would tell you it's more beneficial if you do. All right, because in today's world, and we're going to see this in the next verse, the way things are headed, the way things are, you can maybe do that for a short amount of time. But if you don't have people around you loving you and encouraging you regularly, and I would say more regularly than most likely any of us actually end up at church, except for maybe me because I'm at like three campuses a weekend. But this is what it says, verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What that's saying is, it's recognizing, you know, what we talked earlier, there's going to be a day where Jesus comes back, right? And they know that. But they think it's going to get worse before it's going to get better. And it did. And to a large degree in our lives, like you look around us right now, and it is. And what he's saying is, you don't realize how much you need regular encouragement. You don't know how much you need to actually come together and to rally around other people. And, and I would tell you this, I don't um, <clears throat> while you might be able to follow Jesus and not get together regularly at a gathering like this, I would say this, there's tremendous power when you do. And there are times in your life and in my life, what we really need to do is to get together with a group of people and look around and see other faces of men and women and students And know that they desperately need a savior just like I do. And to know that we're not in this thing alone. I mean, I'm telling you, man, we need each other as the church right now more than we ever have. There's something about a grown man with tears in his eyes and with his hands in the air. And I'm talking about myself right now. That that goes all week talking to people about things like being disciplined. And we gotta live our lives to the full that God's called us to. And we gotta be mentally tough. And we gotta be faithful. And I believe that. But at the end of the day, you know what I really need? I need to come here 
with my arms stretched wide before the God that made me and say, there is a God and I'm not him and in my weakness, I need him to be strong. And there's no chance of me experiencing the hope in my life to constantly be reminded of the hope that I have access, to have accessible to me and to affirm that hope if I'm not regularly reminded. We need to be here together. And um, I mean, look, I'll just say, I mean, the talented and the giftedness of the worship leaders that we have here at this church and the passion that they have to put words on our lips and to put thoughts in our heart for us to sing that otherwise we probably would forget. Man, we just need it. Need it. I don't think it's coincidence that the one time in our country where depression and suicide increased exponentially, unlike any other time in the course of human history, it happened in a time when the church was encouraged not to meet. I mean, that's a real thing. There's power in gathering together. We can't forsake the meeting together. Listen, there's a couple things um, individually that I, I, I want to throw at you just to apply to your life really quickly. Um, we need to own our identity. We're the imperfect family of God. Okay, we're imperfect. We're broken. We need a savior. When we remind ourselves we're an imperfect family, we're constantly reminding ourselves of the gospel. That does a couple things. One, it keeps us humble, right? It reminds us that we actually are in need of a savior. We're not better than other people. And it also makes it that much easier for us to show grace to our other family members. Some of which live under the same roof as you at the same street address and some that don't. Your identity is you're a part of the imperfect, hope-filled family of God. The second thing we got to do is we got to do our part. We got to do our part. We are in the midst of a purpose-filled mission of God. We're in the midst of the greatest rescue mission the world has ever known. And we have a role to play. Super simple. This week, man, let's just stack these shelves, stock these shelves at our food pantry. Let's take a step. That's simple. We talked about five other things. You can go to our website. You can see them. But which one of those areas, maybe it's all five, but this stuff is not optional, man. Like we are a family and under the family of God, we have rules and we have things that we're called into and we need to take these steps together. I do want to recognize there might be someone who's listening right now who's like, yeah, that's cool. But like my identity is not a part of the family of God. And that's okay. You're still welcome here. We love you. I do want you to know that Jesus says that I stand at the door and I knock. And whenever you're ready to take that step, he's waiting for you. We're waiting to invite you into the family of God. But we do need to own our identity. We need to know where we are. Look, as we wrap this up, I, uh, I told you all that I spent some time in prayer um, asking Jesus that he would allow me to know and allow me to share what it is, what his heart for Hope Community Church would be this weekend. And um, we've said it, the church is the imperfect family of God on the purpose-filled mission of God. But I believe what Jesus wants us to do as a church in the midst of where the world is right now is to double down on being the church that he died and rose from the grave to set in motion. All right, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable with you here for a moment. A couple of years ago, right at two years ago, I, I was asked to assume the role of lead pastor at Hope Community Church. And I love this church, man. I've been here uh, in and around Hope since 1997. I, I was in college. I love this church. I've seen Jesus change people's lives through this church. Like I want to be a part of what God's doing here. And I know that the answer to that question, I knew the answer was yes. 
Um, but, but if I'm completely honest with you, like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and, um, but I knew the answer was yes. And then no sooner that I said yes, like some other things, you know, happened and came to light that I realized, like, man, this is going to be more of a challenge than I realized. And there were seasons during that time where I was like, man, I don't, this is tough. Like, I don't know if the church really knows me the way that I'd like for them to know me. I don't know if they're going to trust me. I don't know how fast I can run. Like, I want to honor the past. I mean, that's a big deal. God's done incredible things here, so I want to honor that. But I also want to charge forward. But I don't want to go so fast that people might not follow and think, hey, who is this guy? And I want you to know over the last six months, God's done some work in my heart. And he's going to grab me by the face. And he said, hey, are you done? Like, this was never about you in the first place. This was about an imperfect family to begin with that only exists because Jesus died and went into a tomb and rose from the grave and overcame sin and death. And now is sent his, all, every single one of us are broken on this purpose-filled mission of God. And he's saying to me, like, it is time to go. And it's time to move forward. And so I just want to say, I, I know there's some people that are listening to this message right now that have been around hope for four, five plus years and you've had every reason in the world to be partially in. And there's so many, like recently, that have just come out of the woodwork and say, man, we're all in. We're all in. We're so thankful to see what God's doing here. But I know there's just still some. They have every, we have every excuse in the world from, uh, from COVID to church hurt uh, to leadership transitions to be partially in. But I think what Jesus is saying to us right now, it's, t- it's time to jump all in. It's time to go all in. And then there's some people who have just been around for a little while. And you've been checking things out and you see some good things, some things that you like. But you haven't made the decision to go all in. This is what you were made for. We have a world that desperately needs the hope that we have. And Jesus is calling us together to live out this purpose-filled mission of God together. And so here's what I want to do. As we wrap up. I want us to commit to this. So in a moment, if you would, across all of our campuses, I'm going to ask us to stand together and to commit to being the church. We can lock arms. You don't have to lock arms if you don't want to. That might be weird for you. But we're going to stand together, if you would, and we're going to commit to being the church that Jesus has called us to be. I want you to know that we, I just have this deep conviction that Jesus not only wants us to commit to being a church that people would want to run to, but the family of God that wants to run to the world. And right now, we need one another as the church more than ever. And so, if you would, can we just stand together? and unity to be that church. And I'm going to pray for us. And then when I'm finished, the band's going to lead us in a song of worship together, and they're going to give you some instructions. And, you know, this series has been great. But maybe some of us are actually have been running from some things that we need to run to. And so we're going to have some folks down here. If you just need prayer during the song of worship, they'll let you know. But you can just come down, and we'd love to pray for you. Let's pray together. Father, as we stand together across multiple campuses, and I pray that if there's anyone listening online that's with us, if they're in their home, if they're in a coffee shop, that they would just be so bold to stand and to recognize that, man, life can be distracting. We can miss the purpose of what it is that you died to set in motion. Jesus, we accept our identity as an imperfect family of God on the purpose-filled mission of God. Lord, I personally, I confess that I have allowed things like fear to get in the way. 
Lord, we confess that we've allowed things like our own personal desires to get in the way of what it is that you've called us to. Jesus, I pray, the Holy Spirit, that you would work in ways right now that I don't even know to pray, but those that can hear this prayer are aware of or not aware of. And Holy Spirit, that you would work in our hearts, that you would change our hearts, and you would move us to be the people that you died to set in motion and that this world desperately needs. Would we be a church that reaches the triangle and changes the world? Father, we love you. We thank you that you're going to do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine or ask through the power of your spirit that's at work in us. We pray these together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.